Hello and welcome to the Work of All Being podcast. I'm Amy from The Wellness Strategy and I'm your host and sometimes just the person you're going to listen to talk. We have a range of episodes. If you haven't already dived into those, please go ahead and do so. But what this podcast really is about is giving you insights into different things that support well-being that perhaps we don't always think of. We have a range of guests who are going to broaden our understanding and experience on what well-being actually looks like, especially in the workplace. And I too will be sharing with you tips, insights, strategies, and just my overall thinking and ramblings. So hang out with us as much as you can, learn as much as you can. And if there's anything you want me to speak of or a guest you want me to interview, absolutely let me know because this is the work of well-being, which means all of us are here together to do the work that matters most so you can have a thriving, fulfilling life both in and out of the workplace. Hello, wonderful people. How are you? Just a quick insight into what's happening in my day. It is Monday evening and it's 6.22 and I have been in this chair for far too long. You know those days where you're like, yeah, I'll just this will take me an hour and then I'll have two to do this and like everything's looking great but the first task takes four times longer than you had planned it to. That was my day today. I'm like yes this will take one hour, it'll be awesome, I'll have it done, makes me feel really good, send it off to people who need it, get on to the next thing. Nope, not accurate. Sometimes I really underestimate how long things are going to take and This one task that I set aside to do today took me four hours, not one, which was quite significant in terms of the difference in time I'd allocated. But a great reminder that sometimes we just can't control things. Now, it didn't take me four hours because I was procrastinating. I was actually working. And when I got into it, I wanted to change things. I wanted it to be different. It required more brain capacity and thinking than perhaps I thought it would. Um, And not in a bad way, in a way that was really challenging and allowed growth and for me to extend my thinking. And to be honest, I actually really, really enjoyed it. What has been challenging though is I suppose looking at this to-do list at 6.23 on a Monday and going, oh my goodness, there are still four other things I wanted to get to today that I haven't been able to. And one of them is this podcast. So you know what? I'm just going to cross that off the list right now. I'm going to do that thing where you cross something off the list because it makes you feel good. I also was just talking to my brother, telling him about the series of events for today or lack of events really, and said, you know what? I'm going to tick off that I've had breakfast and had lunch because sometimes we just need that. We need to do those things to remind ourselves that we weren't useless. We weren't focusing on nothing. We weren't procrastinating. We didn't not achieve enough. We actually got deep into one task. And even though it took longer than we thought it would, it doesn't mean the day was a complete waste. I learned lots in the task that I did today that took four hours instead of one. And that's okay. What I'm also noticing too is I look at the list that is now going to get extended to until tomorrow and some of the things that I didn't really get to do, like I wanted to go for another walk and do some stretching this afternoon, that didn't happen. Um, I wanted to finish reading my book, that won't happen today. As I'm looking at that, I'm thinking, you know, there are things that I have to give up and move to tomorrow and things that just might end up on the list again this week and things that I have to be okay not doing. And I think that's a really important message to take away and understand. Sometimes we have things on our list we don't get to and we have to make a choice. Like, do I really have to do that? Do I really have to finish my book? No, I don't. I just want to because I've got about a third left and I'm really into it and there's another book reserved for me at the library that I want to go and get as well. Do I really need to go for an, another walk in a 
stretch. I've been for two walks today. I'm nearly at my 10,000 steps. You know, if I'm really honest, the other uh, probably 600 steps that I'm not going to get in are not going to make that big of a difference. I will be okay if I stop at 9,400. And the stretching, actually, instead of just sitting on the couch watching TV with my partner, I'll do the stretching then. So there's ways to work around that. But then other work that I've got to do, like must-do stuff, some of that's going to have to carry over tomorrow. But I thought, let's just get the podcast done. I mean, talking is my strength. I find it quite easy. It's energizing. I enjoy it. And whenever I get talking, it just seems to flow. So let's make that happen. You know, every now and then I think when I do these podcasts, I'm going to start doing them live on Insta and things. But that just has not happened. So if you'd like me to do that, let me know. Although I'm definitely – one of the reasons I'm not doing that is because – I'm not dressed for that. I mean, I'm in my house clothes and my hair is in some kind of top knot thing. I don't even know what is happening here. And also my cats are, I'm not sure if they're like friendly at the moment or if they're getting ready to pounce on each other, but one of them has their tail going and it could be dangerous if there was a camera involved. I'm just not sure that that would be stable. Anyway, enough rambling. What are we talking about today? I want to talk about the idea of reviewing time that we have. Yep, time. The number one thing we want more of, the number one thing that we say we need, the number one thing that we somehow perceive that if we could control it differently would make all of the other problems go away. And you know what? I just don't think that's the case. I don't think it's more time that we need. I think we actually need to review how we use the time we have, how we review Or can we review the time we have inside nine to three, but also outside of those hours? Because there are some things going on in the teaching space at the moment in education that I I want to shed some light on here in regards to how we use time, how we can review it and reflect on it and perhaps make it work for us. But that involves this amazing thing I call the work of well-being. This is work. This is systemic work. This is collective work. This is change work, behavior work. It's not quick fixes over here. It's not about just snapping our fingers and thinking something will be done easily. There is so much work that needs to be go on that needs to go on to be able to create, design and manipulate the way we work so that we can have it support us rather than work in resistance against us. But we have to get our hands dirty. So it is not absolutely a nine to three job as a teachers. We know that already. Can we all just let that one go? I mean, if it was, hmm, but it's not. If it was, we couldn't have our students all day. The idea or the concept that that is even a possible tagline for our profession is just absurd, but it's not a nine to three. However, that means that outside of our teaching hours, our face-to-face hours, a significant amount of work has to be done. And there are some things that get in the way of that. But for many of us, we don't really spend more than one meeting a week taking up our, did that make sense? We don't really spend time. Nope. Let's try that again. We don't really have more than one meeting a week. I don't know why that was so hard to say. Oh my goodness. Some of us have two, but that might leave us with three or four afternoons a week where we decide how we spend that time. It's flexible time. Now, what that means is there's flexibility for us to choose where we work, when we work, how we work, what we focus on. And I am just going to throw it out there that perhaps pre-COVID teachers and education was already embracing the flexible working approaches that we're now seeing coming through. The idea that you can work from home, because let's be real, 
if we don't have a meeting after school, we're pretty much allowed to go and do whatever we want. And that means we can work from school if we choose, or we can go and do other stuff. We can go and collect our children. We can go and play a sport. We can go to the gym. We can do whatever we like. And we can work later in the evening, should we choose, or we can go and work from home. Is that not flexibility right there? And what about the break in between term, which I'd like to refrain from calling holidays because they are holidays for students, but for us, they are not. They are work from home time. They are, they are times where we can work from home. Our holidays are times where we can work from home, although they're not our holidays, they're our students. They are term breaks where we get to have flexible working arrangements, we get to plan and prepare, we get to be organised for the term ahead because we work in peaks and troughs. What other profession allows you to have two weeks off every 10 to plan and prepare for the upcoming work? I mean, it's brilliant. Now, personally, I'm someone that loves a holiday and loves travel. And so when I was teaching full-time, I didn't want to work in holidays. My partner and I, the year before COVID, so 2019, went to America twice and Bali once and somewhere else. And so that meant I had to be really organised. So both him and I, prior to that term break coming, would work late, 6 o'clock, three nights a week for weeks 8, 9 and 10 to get everything ready for the next term so we could go and enjoy our holidays. Again, flexible working right there. It is not more time that we need. It's how we think about the time that we have. Now, what I want to highlight here, though, is that sometimes some of the things we are doing are not necessarily efficient or effective or supportive of the work we need to do. And we need to ask ourselves, how do I want to work? Who do I want to be? What matters to me? So you may have heard me mention my partner does triathlon, which involves a lot of training. uh, And he really uses the flexible working arrangements teachers can have to suit his lifestyle. So, of course, he has to be at school, I think, I'm going to say by 8.15. That's his start time. So he does whatever in the morning, but at 3.05, when, 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 you know, you're technically allowed to leave, he sometimes will go for a run or a swim or whatever, but of an evening, he is at home working. Is that because he hasn't been able to get it done during the day? Not technically, because actually he left at three o'clock and was exercising for two hours, but if he'd stayed from three until five, he would have had the things done. So there's this beautiful flexibility around how do we work? What are those systems and structures we utilize for ourselves that allow us to do things? And as I mentioned, I was the opposite, you know, for that time in between terms where students were on holidays, I didn't want to be working. So I got organized outside of that. And I didn't want to take work home. That just doesn't work for me. I was someone that would rather stay at work and get the work done and then leave and have my evening to myself. It's about asking how do I want to spend my time outside of the school environment and what do I need to do to be able to support that? Now, when I've talked about this, some people will say, yeah, but I've got kids and I've got this and I've got that. And I absolutely understand that sometimes those things come into play, but let's acknowledge that many days a week, we can leave, you know, before four o'clock, which means we can go and get our children or we can go and do the hobby that we have or we can go and do something and work at home later. And that is, again, something that not every other profession has. Now, of course, we are working really, really hard. But how we use that outside face-to-face teaching hours really does matter. And there's so much research coming 
out now that's telling us that productivity is a huge contributor to a sense of workplace well-being. And so considering how productive we are in in these times outside of face-to-face teaching really does impact our workplace well-being, our sense of fulfillment and achievement. And so what we have to do is be able to consider and ask the times outside of the bell either either side before and after are they unstructured and we're kind of like just floating our way through them or are we actually using them and seeing them as a time to put structure in place to help us work through the things that are manageable you know is there actually enough time to do something if we do something if we do it I was talking to someone recently they are a time or a time they will help people manage time and they actually were working in a school and I do some of this too in the time auditing work that I do with individuals, but they were doing this as a staff meeting and this is just brilliant. So they were getting people to audit their time similar to what I do and write down how they spent their days. And it was brought to everyone's attention that many staff members were spending perhaps, you know, half an hour of their time in the mornings or on their non-contact time in staff rooms, just chatting, not about anything in particular, chatting chatting, chatting, half an hour to an hour a day. So if you were doing that on average, you know, 45 minutes a day, that's somewhere between, what, three and four hours a week. That's almost a whole day's worth of work chatting in the staff room before and after school. That's significant if you're saying you need more time when actually you're spending it chatting. Now, yes, we need to connect, but that's what lunchtimes are for. But if we're using that time outside of face-to-face teaching, to chat and socialise, then that's not being productive or effective. And this is what happens when our days are unstructured. So we need to really be, instead of just reacting to our day and having to-do lists that we randomly engage with when we feel like it, consider our systems and structures to allow us to work efficiently, effectively, and with ease. Productivity is efficient, effective, and ease. That's what we're looking for. But instead, many of us are just, you know, sitting around, wishing, waiting, and hoping things get done. Like it's just going to magically happen or it's never going to happen because that's the way it is and so we'll just give up. We really have to be tuned into what's going on here. And so what seems to be coming more apparent is that the idea of having systems and structures and organised, efficient, effective, and easeful ways of working It's not necessarily the case. And yet many are saying we want more time. However, I don't think time is the issue. I actually think we need to consider how we're using the time we have and we need to ask ourselves, are we using it in efficient and effective ways? It really is a time to review how we're using time. Now, yes, we have things like teaching hours are locked or when you're teaching your classes, they are loaded and non-negotiable. But have you thought about the time before and after class? Yes, we have things like meetings and planning and resourcing and behavior management and emails and admin and marking and assessing and moderating. The list is long. And I'm not saying that the list is unnecessarily long because perhaps it is too long. But if we want to better understand the time we have and maximize the time outside teaching hours, we need to develop more stronger and efficient systems for working in the spaces outside of teaching time. We just have to do that. But the reality is, if you're a leader listening to this or a teacher, The reality is we're kind of left to our own to figure this out. Apart from things like when we teach and structured meetings, we're really left to fill in the gaps, the time gaps. 
And whilst this sounds good in some ways, and we might think, yes, but it supports autonomy and flexibility, and you know, it helps people to feel like they can control what they're doing. I've got some research I'm going to share with you from the Beneath the Surface days that I can conduct, and it's saying otherwise. So whilst it's great to have things like flexibility, what many teachers are sharing is that some structures need to be added so they can reduce the feeling of being in reactive mode, of always feeling behind and stressed or like they're drowning. And there seems to be three main things across many schools that teachers are looking for in regards to structure. And it's, a, it's across primary and secondary schools. So this is what I want you to pay attention to. The first one is team planning. In many most, perhaps all, of the Beneath the Surface Days I've conducted where I interview staff around what's impacting their well-being and workload, what comes out loud and clear is a lack of structure to support regular, so weekly or fortnightly, team planning. It is left to chance for some schools. They do not have a structured time where they meet weekly. Now, this is kind of absurd to me. I started teaching in the ACT and right from the get-go, we had non-contact time once a week with a leader where we were to plan. That's what happened. Um, no, sorry, we did that after school and then another time during non-contact during the week, we would meet to follow that on to continue that work. So there was structure around it, structure outside of school hours. One meeting a week was for team planning and structure in the school day between nine and three when we had non-contact, we would pair up with someone to continue and get that done for the week or the fortnight ahead. Sometimes we'd be two weeks ahead. None of this like night before stuff. And so if this doesn't exist in your school, do you need to consider a meeting during the workday where this could occur so that it is productive? Can you restructure your non-contact or your um, release time or whatever you call it so that teachers can get together and plan? It shouldn't be left to chance or um, waiting, wishing and hoping that it happens. And we actually need leaders who can guide, facilitate and drive these conversations so they are productive. Because what this does is it prevents the night before day of a last minute planning and resourcing where every teacher is working just as hard as the other when instead it could be shared. So we need structures to support teachers to collaborate. And often this is only assumed to be happening, but it's not happening because the structure is there. And often what's happening when we think collaboration is occurring is what I call divide, conquer and share. So let's divide up. You do this bit, you do that bit, I'll do this bit, and then we share. That's not collaboration. That is just divide, conquer, and share. Collaboration means we come together, we discuss, we challenge, we ask, is this right for us? Is this best for us? What idea do you have? What idea do you have? If we're doing our own thing, we're just divide, conquering, and sharing. Alongside this, Sorry, alongside this, we also need to consider how teachers can work to their strengths rather than everyone doing the same thing. Not everyone has to take, we don't need to all take planning in turn. If you're a primary school teacher, you don't have to do English one term, maths the next and science the next. Maybe you're really good at resourcing and someone else is better at documentation. So share the load that way. Or actually, maybe you are absolutely amazing at science and maths. So just do that and let the English people do the English. It's about working to strengths because when we work to our strengths, it energizes us. It is naturally easier, which means we're more efficient and productive. It means we're more effective in what we do instead of all trying to do all of it. And the second thing that really comes through in the data is we need a clear and simple vision with one priority. I am hearing over and over time and time again that 
We don't know what the vision is. We don't know what the direction is. We don't know where we're going. We don't know what matters. We don't know what's important. There's too many competing priorities. And when this happens, when we don't feel like we know where we're going, we are hit with confusion. We are hit with people feeling stretched across so many different areas. They're not sure where to focus their time or energy. And here's the thing. A really clear vision and direction should have one clear priority. This is what underpins staff meetings. This is what drives change. This is what underpins COPs. This is what underpins POCs. This is what underpins professional development. One thing, one focus area, one priority to have teachers consider in their already busy day. Because when we do this, the benefit is one priority allows for clarity. It can be easily prioritized and understood, and it means that staff meetings become focused where growth is evident and time in this area is valued. Rather than random ad hoc things, one week we're doing this, one week we're doing that, too many priorities are going to impact how we view time being spent. One priority increases the value of time spent. Let me say that again. If we have too many priorities, it impacts how we view time is being spent when one priority increases the value of how we spend time. And the third one, communicating changes and disruptions. Oh my goodness, loud and clear this is as well. Communication is often an area that gets raised in any review, but in the wellbeing space, communication is linked to having to shift, change, or reorganize an entire day with minimal notice. Last minute changes I know are sometimes inevitable, but where possible interruptions or things that are different to the normal teaching day need to be communicated in advance, well in advance. Now, this means too there needs to be a structure around making this happen. So, for example, a two-week rule, no last-minute changes without two weeks' notice. Two weeks is last minute unless it's absolutely necessary. And then any changes or events need to be organized well in advance, so preferably a term ahead. You know, Sharing a term calendar and staff meeting dates when the term's already begun is kind of too late. Sharing the weekly overview on a Sunday evening is also too late. These interruptions need to be shared in one place and one system. And unless there is an absolute emergency or opportunity that can't be passed up, nothing else is added. Now, of course, extenuating circumstances apply. You know, for example, if you have the athletics carnival and then it's raining and you have to cancel them because of weather, that's out of our control. But introducing something like a two-week window is essential so that teachers can feel more organized, planned, calm but this is how we calm nervous systems by having organized predictable routines we say it for students it applies to adults calm predictable routines for everyone not just students for adults as well we need this so we can feel like we're actually able to focus and work on things this helps us become more proactive and less reactive You know, teachers have the time and space to plan ahead and feel safe in doing so because there aren't going to be any last minute changes. They can organize lessons, assessments, team teaching opportunities and know that something else won't pop up, requiring them to reorganize their day or week at the last minute. A two week block out. Nothing can happen outside that window. So these are the three key things I really wanted to uh, ensure you understood so you could perhaps better utilize them. So that when we think about time, it's not just time, it's how we use the time we have, especially outside of our nine to three teaching hours. We need structured and organized time to meet with teams so we can plan and work to our strengths on our core business learning and teaching. There needs to be one clear vision and one priority so teachers know what to expect, what areas of growth and change are in terms of the importance right now and where to focus their energy.
And communicating changes and disruptions needs to be done well in advance so lessons and days and events and team teaching and all of those things can be organized well in advance too. And we don't have people turning up going, what's going to change today? What's going to be different? Already in a heightened state for their fight, flight or freeze. Staff well-being is not about doing less. It is about considering how we work with the time we have available. All right, lovely people. There you go. There you have it. Wasn't that a great little Monday night episode? I mean, this is not coming to you on a Monday. It's probably coming to you on a Friday. But um, just so you know, we got through it. It is 6.45 p.m. and I'm going to go and make an omelette and I'm going to have dinner and I'm going to look at my to-do list that didn't to-do today. And I'm just going to take a minute to fill out my evening journal and notice what I did do today. Sometimes we have to do that, yeah? We have to go, okay, well, it didn't go to plan, but what did I get done today? What can I celebrate? I mean, even though this task took me four hours and not one, I feel like really good about it. And also I'm like, that was a great stretch for my growth and development, which means I get to give you more amazing stuff in the long run. Anyway, lovely people, um, I hope you're enjoying this one week, me chatting to myself. The next week we have a guest. We're going to keep that rotating for as long as I can manage it. Uh, and we have some great guests lined up, so I'm pretty excited. And as always, we have whole bunch of stuff going on here at the wellness strategy uh we have elevate so if you're an individual teacher listening and you're thinking how do i work on more of this stuff come hang out with me and elevate a whole bunch of online learning modules and three times a term we hang out and chat and talk about stuff that's causing stress uh we also are launching leading staff well-being a staff-led guided inquiry kicking off term three that is for longer term consultancy online where you work with me and i take you through a guided inquiry process as always bespoke consultancy is available and i'm going to be popping up doing some speaking at events over the next few months so stay tuned for that it's super exciting heading into oh my goodness the second half of the year if you're listening um you know hitting nearly starting june 2023 crazy uh but i'm excited and so many more good things are coming and a second book so stay tuned for that as always lovely people if there is anything you need please reach out but otherwise have a wonderful evening night morning day whatever time of day is for you and i'll see you somewhere soon bye Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. It was an absolute delight to have you here. If you want to learn more about the work I do in the wellness strategy, whether it's for your own personal well-being or professional and workplace well-being, the best place to hang out with me is on LinkedIn. I share with you an immense amount of content, strategy, and information that's going to help you transform your well-being right now. So head over there. Simple LinkedIn, Amy Green. You should be able to find that. It's also in the show notes. And if you need anything else, I'm across all other social media platforms, Instagram, Facebook, and I'm even trying out TikTok. So you never know where this is going to go. But thank you so much for hanging out with me. If you need anything at all, you can always send me an email. You can find me on those socials. But most importantly, just keep doing the work of well-being.